Tu. Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. Our email is critics at IHateCritics.net if you care to email us ever. Uh, listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. If you rate and review the show, give us a five-star review. It does help us with our algorithm, and we are doing a giveaway. If you head over to our uh, social media pages at at CriticsPod, uh, Sean, tell me what that giveaway is. It's the Great War of Archimedes and Deliverus from Evil, on, each on Blu-ray. Yeah, so get your, uh, get a copy of those by heading over to any of wherever you listen to us, and then let us know you left the review. Uh, and we will read it on the air. That's right. We're live on YouTube. Usually a few minutes before we go live, I'll send out a notice on Facebook and Twitter to let you know we're going to go live Saturday, Sunday, Monday, depending <laughs> on when we're busy or when we're not busy. No one expects the Everyone's a Critic podcast. Yep. <laughs> and Patreon, patreon.com slash critics pod. The best would help support the podcast. And if you want to get some critic, I hate, or Everyone's a Critic podcast merch head over to i hate critics.net and click on our uh t public page up in the right hand corner or just search critics pod and t public all right let's jump right into it and let's talk about black widow which movie is that is that the little independent film no we'll do that <laughs> later on <laughs> middle of the show <laughs> middle of the show okay uh, Black Widow stars Scarlett Johansson, uh, Florence Pugh, uh, David Harbour, and Rachel Weisz. Uh, in a, of course, a uh, story from the Marvel Universe, uh, the character of uh, Natasha Romanoff. We revisit her uh, origin stories as well as her uh, uh, her time just in between before she died in the Avengers universe. And uh, uh, a little side quest she went on uh, involving her past. Um very good movie, I thought. I was really entertained beginning to end. I think uh, th- this this should be, for me, this should be the, the goodbye. And I said in my review that I think this should be the goodbye for the for Scarlett Johansson in the Marvel, Marvel Universe. This is the way to say goodbye, is the way she said it here. Uh, it, it, the character had a, had a, had a perfect, had a, had a nice ending in, the, uh, in her death, the way she went out in Endgame. And here, this is a, just a nice little bow on that that i thought was kind of perfect and uh like i said i really enjoy her i enjoy what she does she's very entertaining in this role she's very entertaining in these movies there are other things for her to do now she's got you know she's so incredibly talented we'll talk about that movie later on uh but it's she's so incredibly talented it it is time for her to step up into another realm as an actor and, and do things that mean more to her than probably this does. I'm not that this isn't important to her. I'm sure because it's, she met a lot of really close friends on this and uh, you know, people who became very close with her. And, and so I'm sure that means a great deal to her, but it's time for her to do something else now. And uh, now she can do that if she's actually stepping away from this. Yeah. I mean, it helped make her a star. I mean, she was on her way there anyway, but this definitely 
elevated her to that next level pretty quick. Uh, this movie's as good as it could have been, given the fact that they never made this earlier. You know, had they made it early on uh, in the Marvel stories, uh, I think it could have been one of the better ones. Instead, they were handcuffed with what they could do because now she's dead. They've told so many stories, and you're you have to work within the framework. You know, you're not still developing the story. The story's already been told, and now you're going backwards and telling a story within. Just a yeah. little side story. But because of that, I, I thought it was really, really good. I don't think the criticism of it's very fair because of the fact that it's handcuffed. Uh, I mean, I, I, uh, am I wrong that it's not getting the best reviews in the world? I haven't, pay, I haven't looked at the reviews at all. I've only seen a handful of... Uh, I've heard some people call it the worst Marvel movie ever. Uh, well, that's ridiculous. Just a couple <laughs> random... I mean, I know it's all because it's... You know her fate, <laughs> so you know she's not going to die in this. Uh, but that's how all you've kind of known that a lot. Other than Robert Downey Jr. not signing contracts, he's the only one that could have died at any <laughs> point in any of these movies. Uh, but because of that, I, I thought it was a fine action movie. I, I thought it was really good. I, you know, uh, Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson are amazing action stars. As much as I'd rather see them in match point or under the skin or midsummer or uh little women or whatever else they've done uh they are definitely really cool action stars up there with charlie's throne i i mean the three of them could be the three biggest right now as far as you know leads that could lead an action movie right now uh i i thought it was really good really entertaining yeah, I, I really I like the set pieces. I like the action. I like the pace. I thought it never. I thought it was uh, relatively relentless in the in its uh, in its presentation, which I appreciated. Uh, it doesn't slow down a lot, and yeah, she's just so charismatic. She's it's effortless for her. The 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 acting is just. She's not on remote control, but she but she's just it it it's so second skin for her it's just it's something that just comes from her so naturally and that's really just a testament to her talent as well as florence Pugh. david harbour is not an actor i care for uh, i think i think everything he does is really really hammy uh he doesn't i don't think he knows how to be a movie star and i think he he's out of his he's out of his depth honestly i know that's not a fair criticism but it, it's how i feel about it uh, he he tends to over present everything that he does. He did it in Hellboy. He's doing it here, uh, and I don't know. Uh, maybe TV is just a better realm for him. He doesn't ruin the movie, but I get no. what you're saying. And Rachel Vice too. Both of them are kind of doing a. I mean, she's a great actress too. <laughs> don't get me wrong, <laughs> but, a- but them together it almost adds this comic relief that's not. It's not a natural fit with the movie. It's not unnatural enough that it takes you out of it, but it's just kind of, I don't know. I, It was definitely the weakest part of the movie for me. And when it does slow down is when they all get back together. And it's just a little lull in the middle of the movie. Very short. They get right past it and go right back to the action. But uh, I, but I, none of it ruined the movie for me. I would just say that was the weakest part of it, but I still liked the movie quite a bit. Yeah. I, I just I find I find uh, I find Charlotte uh, Scarlett Johansson to be so entertaining and and uh, and Florence Pugh is just so very good that none of none of the other stuff really mattered to me. Just watching their yes. dynamic, they they 
they bounced off of each other so perfectly that the rhythm between the two of them was just perfectly on point. And it looks as if Florence Pugh is going to be kind of taking her place in the Marvel Universe, which again gives a kind of perfect symmetry to her exiting this stage and moving on to another one, which I, I, I really appreciated. I just hope she gets a chance to keep doing the movies that I like her in the most. Because <laughs> uh, Scarlett Johansson didn't get to do as many of those while she was yeah. playing the role of Black Widow. In a lot of ways, she's one of the... I mean, she's one of the original five. Is that what it is? Iron Man, her, Hulk, Thor, and Captain America. And I guess if you want to throw Hulk okay. in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and Laura's Pew uh, apparently graduating to the Hawkeye series next. That's where she's headed. Yeah, if you watch after the credit scene. Yeah. Uh, and has Julie Louis Dreyfus been in anything before, or is this Falcon of the Winter Soldier? Ah. I didn't. I didn't watch it, but apparently she's part of that. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I could watch those two Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson do, you know buddy cop movies for the next 20 years because they really do bounce <laughs> off each other really well i mean yeah. Mel gibson danny glover level of well uh it, it's really really i just it's a fun movie to watch uh did you go to the theater or did you get to watch it on disney plus i saw the theater i, I you watched I, it on disney plus well I, my whole family watched it so by the time and i you know we, i want to get the show in <laughs> so <laughs> you got to add 30 45 minutes there and back in order to if you want to watch yeah. it in the theater but it was it still held up i i liked it quite a bit i got to see it in d box this is a good movie for d box those seats that move with the movie because this movie you know like i said it's relentless in its way uh the action really is kind of constant and so it's a fun movie to watch uh with the uh, moving seats yeah i I often go to the D box when I can because by the time when I decide to see a movie in the theater, it's like so late that those are the only seats left. Which is probably your same thing too, I'd imagine. With being a critic, you get what's left over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, some movies are better than others on the D box. Uh, anything else on Black Widow other than <laughs> I feel bad all the all the Marvel movies spend a lot more time on time on, but. <laughs> I just think uh, I, I think this is a really good movie. It's maybe like second tier, like you know, next to Iron Man two and Iron Man three and uh, those. But it's better than you know Thor two. You know, it's yeah. better than it's better than most of the other Marvel movies. I would say uh, just like right underneath the great Marvel movies. And it's only because I I think they could, it could have been a great Marvel movie if there was still more story to tell in that Infinity War Endgame arc. Uh, but because they'd already closed that chapter, there wasn't only so much they could do. So I think that's why it seems lesser than. But I still I like the that. I like. I like that they frame this in a way that you know this is happening in the midst of, of I guess, uh, kind of in the midst of at the right at the start of civil war. I guess is where this is set. Um, You're like right after the fight or whatever. Yeah, and it's a so it explains where everybody else is. Like all the people who might be there to help her, either are on Iron Man's side and opposed to her, or they're in, or they're in jail, or or if, if it's Cap, he's you know, he's in the he's in the middle of a fight with Iron Man. So you know, it is that that's that gives every it, it, you're not wondering, well, why isn't she getting any help with this? <laughs> and they did a good enough job in those movies, letting you know that she does run off for a little bit on her own. So there it. I don't know. It all works. There's nothing that 
ruins any of those movies in here. Uh, it did well to keep the continuity. Yes, absolutely. Anything else on Black Widow before we move on? I'm eager to hear what Josh thinks. I wish we had Josh right now. I think he would have something interesting to say, but uh, we'll, we'll talk to him later. Yeah, he went and saw Dokken over the weekend. <laughs> he invited me to go. <laughs> you like this kind of music, don't you? I was like, yeah, but I can't Friday night. It's like it sounds like it sounds like somebody's dad inviting them to a, to a rock concert. It's like you like this kind of music, right? Yeah, sure, Dad, I do. <laughs> now, in fairness, he does like the '80s stuff, so. Uh, and I, think, I, I love Dream Warrior, but not for the reason that it's good. Now, he <laughs> he <laughs> he was going because of Great White or Jack Russell yeah. from Great White. But uh, and he, but I guess it was a big deal because George Lynch joined him. Oh, wow. The show it was all over the rock news. But I'm sure Josh doesn't know who George Lynch is. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Welcome back to Dock and Talk. <laughs> Talking Dockin'. That's better. Talking Dockin'. <laughs> <laughs> how i became a superhero i forgot to put my pictures up let's do that i real quick. actually didn't get to see this one today oh uh, lucky you <laughs> why does it suck i couldn't it didn't grab my interest if that, it's, a, it's a french superhero movie right yeah i it just didn't do much for me uh Netflix, I, I saw like the first five minutes of it and then i had I, I got busy doing something else that's not. <laughs> yeah, this, my my pictures aren't popping up as a option here. Uh oh. But uh, it's give me problem child two instead of the. There we go. So yeah, this is what we <laughs> talked about, Black Widow. Yeah. This is what we won't talk about. How I became a super. I mean, I just it was boring. I, I had a hard time staying in it. Uh, yeah. And I think it's a couple years old. Oh, Netflix is it? Netflix just picked it up. Huh. Uh, but I mean. Wait. I had intended to watch it. I even started it, but like I said, I had to. I had to do something else. Yeah, I maybe if I'd known knew the actors, it would have been different. But I was definitely checking out and checking my phone a lot, so I really can't even all add I, anything to it. All I noticed was that there was a magician or something, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. No loss, no gain. No loss, no gain is the. Uh, Kind of like a a staged play in many ways. It's a tiny little movie about a uh, group of bank robbers who are not traditional bank robbers. Uh, they are computer hackers. And you remember that thing that happened with Wells Fargo not all that long ago, the bank? Absolutely. Where they were robbing, essentially robbing their customers and creating all these fake accounts. Yep. And nobody went to jail and nobody got in trouble. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's that's kind of where this movie begins, essentially, is uh, uh, the group of bank robbers who break into this bank. Uh, they come in the, just the last minute. And there are still several customers there. And uh, they, they take over the bank. They're, they've got masks on. They're covered up. And uh, they, they're going to take all these people hostage. And essentially, they it looks like a bank robbery. But in many ways, it's not a bank robbery. <laughs> so they've got all these people there specifically to take them hostage and hold them in this room. And then they're going to, instead of stealing all the money, they've come up with a way to hack the system to where they're going to take a large chunk of money from the CEO's account and put that into the account of these people. 
And it's such a it's such an insignificant amount of money to the CEO and to the company that they'll hardly even notice it's gone. All these people will have more money than they've ever had in their life. And this is essentially just these basically the, these guys are hacking them to kind of make them pay a price when they didn't actually pay a price. And it sets up a scenario where they can go to the cops or they can try and figure out where this is happening. Cause they, they don't even, they've got so many banks. They don't even know which bank this is, mm-hmm. <laughs> which makes it so makes it kind of funny in that way. <clears throat> but uh, uh, he makes sure that the bank, the bank robbers make sure that the CEO knows that they're doing this and knows that he's taking, that they're taking his money. So he knows that's happening. Uh, and he doesn't want it to happen, but at the same time, if he does try and stop it or figure out a way to stop it, figure out where they're, where they're doing this, he could call undue attention to what they're doing, which would then expose him uh, and his relationship with a United States senator in a way that he probably doesn't want te- televised. He doesn't want people to talk about this. <laughs> so he's in, a, he's in this position, the CEO character, he's in this position where if he does something about this, People might find out and be reminded of what a criminal is. But if he doesn't do something about it, they get away with millions of dollars, each of these people. Sorry. Uh, and, and so that's the kind of conundrum he's in. Meanwhile, in the room, all this stuff is happening. The bank robber's explaining this to, to the people that he's holding in this room and, and kind of telling them. And, and there's some of them who are going, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm not a criminal. I don't want to, I don't want to take anybody's money. Uh, even if they'll never know, even if nobody will ever know, I'll know and I don't feel right about it. Others are like, give me the money. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's kind of that back and forth. Two of them are kind of painted a bit, you know, right wing in their in their way, you know, because they're kind of speaking up on behalf of the company, uh, a company that doesn't care about them and has really just taken them for granted and stolen their money. And they're still kind of speaking up on their behalf because I don't know. They just they they feel like they could get caught more than anything, uh, and it does kind of expose people morally in that way. The movie should be better than it is because it's got such a big idea, but it spends the last last half hour re-explaining everything that's been talking about throughout the entire movie as if they didn't feel like they had a long enough movie. And so you go through and you see everybody's basic motivations for why they did what they did and who was in on it and who wasn't, and that part kind of falls makes me kind of hesitate about how much I like this movie. I like the overall idea of this kind of Robin hood bank robber hacker character. I found that very interesting, but the fact that they don't feel like they had enough story and they had to go back through the story and retell it in a way that kind of pulled me out of the movie a little bit. Yeah. It sounds like a neat idea. Uh, so they were allowed to use like the Wells Fargo logos and all that stuff. No, and, no. Okay. Did they no, call they, it they Wells Fargo, a, or they called it a different name? They call it a different name. Yeah, they didn't give the bank a name. Gotcha. But I mean, it, it, it's not hard to figure out well, who they yeah, were talking yeah. about. Well, I, they were yeah. talking about everything that Wells Fargo did and how nobody went to jail, and that's the Wells Fargo story. <laughs> oh yeah, I could even elaborate on that if you guys wanted to hear that. <laughs> I my company is a Wells Fargo customer and oh. man, that suck. That's when the PPP loans came out because of that scenario. They couldn't help any of their customers out because they oh, got nice. themselves all screwed. So they luck. I mean, they I think they were losing some to a lot of more local banks, which is a yeah a cool thing. Uh, a lot of our local bankers got fired 
just because Wells Fargo decided to streamline things even more. Uh, it, yeah, See, it is, nobody uh, went to jail, though. Nobody nope. got punished. No. Well, the people got punished for the ones not doing anything wrong. They lose, lost <laughs> their job to go find another job. Yeah. It's terrible. Accountability. Yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, it was just kind of the, that's kind of what this whole movie is about is kind of figuring out some sort of, you know, way to punish them in a way that, you know, and it does feel kind of satisfying to watch the CEO character kind of squirm a little bit and, you know, also doing like some really hardcore scheming at the same time. That 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 is kind of fun. Uh, and that, that, there's kind of a catharsis to that in a way that I appreciated. That's awesome. Too bad they couldn't have pulled it off. So that would have been a really cool <laughs> movie. Again, Adam McKay needs to make that movie. <laughs> uh, I can't pronounce this one, so go ahead. <laughs> Dakra. Dakra. Uh, directed by Abdelhamid Bushnak. This is the first horror film ever made by Tunisian filmmakers. Uh, the Tunisia's got a film industry, but they've never had a horror film before. Uh, you can tell this is very much influenced by, by um, American horror movies it's not a found footage movie but it, it's definitely got echoes of Blair Witch echoes of movies similar to that uh, about urban legends and so on the idea here is that three uh, journalism students are tasked with finding an original story to tell and an exclusive original story so one that hasn't been told and told and told again uh, there are a lot of stories in Tunisia about the the revolution that's been happening there and their teacher's like, you know, we've told that story a few times. Let's move on and find something original to do. Uh, the original idea that these three come up with is that one of them happens to have a story about a woman who was found at the side of the road. With her, she was nude. She, her throat was cut. She was badly uh, beaten. Uh, she was rescued uh, somehow and survived all of that, but she went crazy. She turned basically feral and started attacking people. And so they put her in an asylum. And now the asylum kind of pretends that she's not there to the point where when they actually get some permission to talk to somebody in charge there, uh, they, they don't want to talk to them and they pretend that this woman doesn't exist, uh, but she does. And they pay off a guard to let them in in the middle of the night and they actually get to meet this woman. And she's scary. And, <laughs> and she reacts and she, the girl, the main female character in the movie uh, she scratches her on the arm like really bad. Uh, and, like she's then she we watch as she she kills a guard after that. And it's like she's legit like feral, like she's frightened. Uh, they this only instead of putting her off the story, this only kind of intrigues her more. So she wants to go back to the she wants to go to the place where this woman was found, and she wants to find the village that she was in when this when she did this. And of course, this is a terrible idea, but they go through with it anyway. And then of course that leads them to this village. That is super creepy. Uh, the first thing they see when they get there is this little girl in the forest just biting into a pigeon, just just, just ripping just ripping the thing wide open like it's a like it was a like it was KFC, but uncooked <laughs> and unclipped. Like just gross. And she's got just just this look at this crazed look in her eye. And somehow this doesn't put them off. They keep going. They get to this village. None of the women are allowed to speak. There's only one man there, and he's really friendly. He's really super friendly. He's way too inviting. Uh, and, of course, we know from what we've seen earlier in the movie why he's being this way, because <laughs> he's got a very serious motive behind him to do this. And uh, there's also some other things set up from the past that come back and pay off. 
this is really good. This takes a lot of American influence, like I said, and does something very bold and daring with it because it's a much more violent, much more visceral version. Like we've seen the neutered version of this in America before, but I don't think we've seen the <laughs> the hardcore, bloody, gory version. This is really this kind of pushes the the limits on on the uh, the violence a little bit, the blood. Uh, a lot of it's implied, but a lot of it you can actually see too. And it's uh, I was impressed by that. I was impressed by how they aren't really held back in the way that ours our system with the rating system kind of holds our our movies back a little bit but in addition to that our studio system neuters a story usually too and ruins a great idea over and over again it sounds like here they were able to stick with the writer and director's vision as opposed to the studio coming in and like you said neutering it uh, yeah, this sounds fantastic. <laughs> sounds like a really good movie. <laughs> Is it available yeah. right now? Yeah, it's available right now. It's uh, available for uh, streaming rental, I believe. I have to go rent this when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? Show over yet? <laughs> this looks really, really good. If you're watching on YouTube, it's a kind of a neat poster. Very, like you said, Western. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, I'm, you'll I'm, recognize I'm, a lot of the beats of this story, but uh, it's still it has it has moments that are, that are just a little bit bloodier and more daring and solid performances. Really well directed. All right, let's move on to our classic Ghost World. Ghost World stars Thora Birch, Scarlett Johansson, and Steve Buscemi in the story of a pair of female friends who kind of have a essentially a falling out. Uh, Thora Birch is the main character here, and it's just she she's there in her own little world. She uh, she gets she has these little fascinations, and uh, her latest fascination becomes Steve Buscemi, who she uh, meets when she and Scarlett Johansson are playing a, playing a prank on him. Uh, he'd put a personal ad in the in the newspaper about a missed connection uh, with another with a woman, and they pretended to be her and led him to this place and seemingly to make fun of him but she's kind of growing tired of making fun of people and that's really the story here is that she if she's not going to be snarky all the time if she's not going to make fun of things all the time she's not going to be negative to people all the time then who is she what is she going to become and she doesn't know and that loss of identity that she's dealing with coming out of high school and and looking toward the real world without a plan uh and with only this uh you know negative attitude that she's had all her life who is she now? And, you know, Scarlett Johansson's character is kind of growing up and she's got a job. And she's looking to get out into the world and have a home to live in and all those things that adults do. And she doesn't know that she wants to do that, Thora Birch. And so she's kind of left out that she kind of gloms on to Buscemi in, in many ways just to have something to do that isn't what she normally does. Uh, like I said, she has these passing fascinations. It can be you know, Indian music of the 60s. It could be, you know, punk rock. It could be anything at any moment that just kind of catches her uh, for a second and, and she's intrigued by it. And and I le- this is a really interesting movie about about growing up and, and figuring out who you are. And that's uh, uh, and it's a very bold to make that movie because nobody makes that movie. It's hard to make that movie. It's hard to describe what this movie is because <laughs> it doesn't have... It has a plot per se, but it's about her and about revealing her and about bringing her around. Her, her arc is essentially going from having uh, an attitude of superiority to not knowing who she is. That's the that's the angle that we're that's the trajectory we're going on here. And 
that is not an easy to, to that's not an easy arc to tell and I, I that's why I love this movie so much yeah it's really fascinating because a lesser movie would have been neutered I guess is the like we'll go back to that word because uh, I mean she's using everybody around her to try to identify who she is when someone asks her what she wants she responds what do you want you know and that's and I mean she's ruining their lives by trying to avoid growing up and uh, understanding who she is and I just find that I mean it's really really cool the way they pulled it off without making it kind of shitty because that those it's easy to screw this movie up and they didn't do that. And I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, and, and I mean, I'd watch a sequel to this where, you know, she hyped on that figurative bus, but in real life, she, you know, traveled, you know, six, seven, eight hours away, started a new life, started working at a bank, married a grocery store manager or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> probably a boring movie. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be. I mean, once you grow maybe, up, I mean, <laughs> life's kind of boring. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. I just found it. It was. It's an easy movie to watch. It's really cool to see these two at such a young age. Although she was pretty much, she'd already had American Beauty, I think, at this point, and right. she was kind of recognizable. And I was. This was a uh, Scarlett just starting out. Yeah, yeah she was she kind was of a like discovery 17. in this movie. Yeah, uh, and she was really good in it, and. That was I, cool. I loved, I loved her monotone. Like she really seemed to understand this character, and she played a very specific beat throughout, uh, vocally even. She was the very uh, just this very flat monotone that uh, you know, but very straightforward, very authentic. Uh, and it's hard to do that uh, for a first time actor to to not feel like you're acting and she didn't feel like she was acting. It didn't feel like she was putting anything on. It was, uh, it's such a unique, uh, she's got a unique beat that she's playing. And that's, that's, that's the sign of a really great actor to find that thing, that, that motivation uh, within your character that, uh, that, that gives you your purpose. And she found that. Well, just like Florence Pugh, I mean, they both start off being with great acting performances and that's how they got to become stars. And I, I'm looking forward to see what she does next. You know, I'm both of them really. I mean, even Thora Birch, I'd love to see some more A24 movies out of any of these actors. Uh, Yeah. It's straight. I don't even know what Thora Birch does anymore. I I don't feel like I've heard from her in years. She popped on Marin's podcast a while back, like a year or two ago, but I don't remember it just kind of interesting, but not, I can't really remember what she was doing. Uh, but, I think it's more by choice than anything. That's good. Because she did kind of blow up pretty quick there. And American Beauty was a huge movie. And yeah, uh, I don't know. But this is a, I mean, everybody knows this movie, but it's definitely, it. it's it's kind of forgotten about in a way too, because I, I had seen it. I just didn't remember what happened in it. <laughs> so it was nice yeah. to go back and rewatch it. <laughs> And I know I liked it better this time around than I did the first time around, and I remember liking it. But I feel like I, I feel like I got it more now than I mm-hmm. did when I was younger. When I was younger, it was more of a I appreciated this movie, and I really was like these are the kind of girls that I was into you know, in two thousand one. Probably still am now, but that was it was a definitely like a, an attraction sort of situation. Now I feel like I was understanding it more as an adult, right? And and viewing this as you know, a young person, 
you know, moving out into the world for the first time. It's kind of seeing that aspect of it for not the first time. I certainly saw it then, but I really feel like I feel I saw it more this time. Well, we weren't that removed from it, you know, from, you know, being that age. And I might have, I mean, I guess I'm a couple of years older than Scarlett Johansson, probably the same age as Thor Birch. So I, uh, you know, I, I was kind of in that same age anyway, so I definitely would have missed a lot of it and not like I think I got it on a higher level, but like the kind of the deeper part of it, I definitely missed. And the figurative bus <laughs> would have, oh, she committed suicide at the end. That's kind of how I probably took it back then versus uh, it's just more of her moving on with her life and finally getting to that point. What do you think of Buscemi? That was a very brave performance. Uh, I couldn't do that. I mean, not that I could act ever, but that w- that's just really hard. I mean, that's that's got to be tough to, as an actor to do that role. Uh, he hated it. Hate, not, the, not the movie. He hated the role. Like, I read somewhere that every day after it was over, he had to get those clothes off. He had to change his hair. He had to get completely out of this guy at the end of the day because he did. he hated it so much. <laughs> well even the I mean I know you're an actor but like I I took Michael from Galesburg to see Steel Panther on Saturday and they're a parody band that makes fun of 80s hair bands the singer his name's Herb uh, his stage name's Michael Starr he, you know he's got a wife and kids and a family at home I follow them both on Instagram they're two polar opposite but on stage <laughs> he's this 80 hair band you know making fun of it yeah. he's, but he's doing things and it's and it's a joke and it's not real, but he's actually physically doing it. And so then being a 44-year-old guy and then having to make out with a 19-year-old girl, that just seems really weird to me. And I can't <laughs> wrap my head around that. And it's that kind of – that would be really hard, I, I would think, for any respectable actor, you know, maybe to not be, some. but To be so willingly pathetic yes, is hard. That is hard to do. Yeah, and he's really what holds this movie together. I mean, the girls are great, but like she ruins his life. <laughs> like he was perfectly happy with where he was at in life. She gives him a little bit of you know, it starts to make his life even better and then takes it not even not just that away, but everything else that he had away just because of her selfishness as for being that age. Yeah. Uh and that yeah, it, that was a really that really is in a lot of ways the most important role in the movie. Even though she's the star, uh, that character of his, if it's done wrong, the movie falls apart, and it's just like you said, neutered. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. This is based on a uh, Daniel Close. Uh, uh, what do they call it? A graphic, graphic novel. novel. Yeah. And uh, they they achieved the look of this, but through basically through the costumes more than anything. Uh, the costumes and the sets uh, are kind of they're not overstated, but they they feel real. But at the same time, there's a comic book edge to her, and her look and her aesthetic has a kind of a comic book feel to it. His house kind of has a has a sort of cert, certain feel that is kind of otherworldly in a way uh, that that is. Uh, it's perfect for the character 
and it, it, that's how they evoke the comic book aspect of it or the graphic novel aspect of it. I really like that. It's a, it's a, it looks like no other movie and yet feels real enough within the universe. Yeah, I'll take this look over. Uh, what was the one? I think Richard Linklater kind of did a movie where he kind of colored over the 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 whatever. I can't remember what the name of it is. Yeah. I, and it's kind of going for the same idea. I think this one achieves it better uh, just by you don't necessarily notice it unless you're, you know, you're analyzing the movie. And that's what, you know, you could just watch it, never even pick up on it. But if you pay attention, you know, similar to you know, those Ari Aster movies, when you start paying attention at the little nuance and details. Yeah. That's there. That's I, 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 I I'll take this over anything like that. Ever. Yeah, this is, a, this is a really good experience. I'm glad I got to go back and see it because it's been too long. And, yeah, anything else on Ghost World? If you've never seen this, you should see it. Uh, it is available, so get it, watch it, enjoy it, and have this experience. Boys in the Hood turns 30 along with a couple other movies. Let's start here. Wow, this movie is still really emotional to watch. Like, it really still has this. It has a, a power to it that uh, isn't dampened at all by even the you know the very nineties uh, look of it. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. plays Trey. Uh, he's moved to uh, South Central to live with his dad, who's <laughs> perfectly named uh, Lawrence Fishburne as Furious Styles. Like, come on, that's you couldn't have thought of. You could not think of a more perfect name. Uh, he's just he just has that quality. Fishburne is incredible in this movie. That he didn't get an Oscar nomination for this is shocking because he he is the heart of this whole thing. He's so good. And then, I mean, I mean, Ice Cube is so authentic and so real in this thing that when it when what happens happens, it feels so natural and so you're so in the moment with him, uh, with his authenticity in the role. Of, uh, it it adds dramatic weight to it, it adds this emotion to it that uh, you you can try and resist, but I don't think you can. I don't think you can resist the the emotion of this movie. It also moves very quickly. I mean, the pace of this is very brisk. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's it's lingering very long, but yet it's creating these indelible characters and, and creating this moment in Los Angeles uh, that that uh, this very violent, terrifying moment that these people live in every single day. And you're experiencing it from the very much the outside. I know I'm experiencing it from the very much the outside. I've never experienced anything like this. And it takes on so much more depth now, even than that it did then. <laughs> you look back on it, uh, you know, the very specific choices that John Singleton made in, in making this are, are very pronounced. You know, he, uh, the, the whole thing about the police, he chooses specifically to have a black police officer be the most aggressive because that reflects uh, it reflects his opinion of the police that uh, this is what the police do to people. It can turn you against the, the people you, you would seemingly you know, be on your be on the side with uh, that that power trip of being a police officer and having people's lives in your hand. Uh, that that certainly is is a subtextually running throughout the movie. And then you've got these very lost young boys who are you know, desperate for fathers and the fathers other than furious are, are absent. And uh, that the way that absence lingers without you even, you know, you don't even notice it's not there until later when you start to think about 
how how lost all these little boys are that they're that they're killing each other because they this is what they've known they don't have that figure in their life uh that 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 made the difference for them that kept them out of trouble that gave them a direction uh the thing the kind of things you expect of a father the kind of things that anybody would expect of a really good father to do for a child so the that that's running through this as well. There's so many different themes. And then you just got this very, you know, right on point emotional anchors, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. Is a very, is a very easy actor to identify with. He's, he's not a big personality. You can feel, you can get inside of him and, and kind of be him. And that's a perfect audience surrogate. Uh, then you've got Morris Chestnut as the embodiment of all the potential in the world uh, to a guy who could have the entire world in his hands. And just if he could just get out of this situation uh, and then the, the death of that dream, essentially, when he's killed, is just, it's it's so powerful that, you know, the choices that that uh, Trey has to make in the wake of his friend's death and the decisions that weigh upon him and the way that it his decisions are affecting the people around him from Neil Long to the Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, all of those pieces are so perfectly placed that this movie just is, it's just emotional. It's powerful and uh, it's deeply compelling. Yeah, I agree, especially with the Lawrence Fishburne stuff. Cause he's only, I mean, it's not like he's barely in the movie. He's in the movie a lot, but he, when he's, even when he's not in a scene, his presence is felt in the neighborhood. Like, and that that's very well done by Lawrence Fishburne and John Singleton, as well as the other actors that you know you know allow that to exist, and it it really matters. It help helps pull this movie, make this movie pull it. It pulls it off. Uh, it's a very simple movie. It's a movie where when when they're just little kids, I I could tell you how the movie is going to play out. I mean, it's pretty predictable, and so then that's not a by no means is that a bad thing about this movie because uh, in a lot of ways you don't want it to go the way you're predicting it to go but it's pretty clear where it's going to go and so I mean with that it's just kind of a standard story with very very emotional scenes and as you know where we live especially where I grew up in uh, pretty much an all white town <laughs> not you know, we didn't call ourselves that, but it just kind of worked out that way. Yeah. Uh, you just hear about it through rap lyrics and this and that and kind of the badass version of it. You don't, you miss kind of the emotional part of it. And that is really, I think what John Singleton's his best trait is, is just capturing a great scene. Uh, the scene where Kugan Jr. is crying with his, girlfriend or the scene with ice cube and kuba gooding jr kuba gooding jr at the end uh we have this badass not knowing how he feels and what he just did uh yeah. and you're getting real human you know elements out of these characters which you know you don't get in rap lyrics you don't get in you know when the high level versions of the story without getting you know digging into the weeds and I, I think with all of his movies, John Singleton really those some of those scenes are so powerful, and this one in yeah. particular, uh, that the fact that it's a pretty standard, typical story, you know, very simple first, second, third act kind of thing. Uh, you know, part of me, and it's not fair. It's like, well, 
I'll still rather watch Do the Right Thing, but that's a different movie. I shouldn't say that. That's irrelevant. Yeah. They're not. They're not. You know, I just I like the idea of something that's not as straightforward as this. However, I would argue they're almost even even as they're only you know five or six years apart. Uh, this is a different generation. Oh, I, it's it's more of the fact that Do the Right Thing is not a standard movie. It's very artistic, and this is very you know straight ahead story which again isn't you shouldn't there's nothing wrong doing a straight ahead story you know it's like it's a straight ahead story but i I would argue that it has shakespearean elements to it well that's fine but that's straight ahead i mean it's nothing wrong it all that's fine it's it's not fair for me to be doing is what i'm getting at right uh you know it's it's like with music you can sit and talk about jazz or you can talk about acdc it doesn't that doesn't mean acdc sucks Right, uh, and that's kind of what I'm trying to get at. But, but the scenes—that's really the best part. You know, he does such a great job of catch, capturing individual scenes and throughout the rest of his career too. As we're going to go through the '90s, we'll be talking about all these movies. I remember being a kid loving these movies, and as I got older, kind of having the American History X opinion of when I go back to them. This one I had never seen, so I don't have that opinion of this movie uh it's very good it's very it's very well acted it's just i don't know i just keep coming back to the scenes that are really powerful and moving and i wish people you know it's kind of like when we talk about when we were like we wanted trump supporter to watch something and so they would change their mind it's like you know why can't the people who are in these scenarios watch this movie and realize you don't got to do what you you know stop yeah. the violence whatever and uh, and it's just some of it's like god if you if you just gone and eaten something you know the ending doesn't play out the way it does you know what there's all I had to do was not do this or if you don't get mad when you get your shoulder bumped you know all the little things split decisions that change the course of your life uh there's just a lot here. It's very. You made an interesting point uh, where you were talking about Fishburne before that I kind of want to touch on them again is yeah. that when people do talk about Fishburne when he's not in the scene, it's not like it's not like a poochy thing. Where it's like he's the most important guy in the movie that they have to talk about, even though he's not there. It, it's a thing. It's reminding you of what's absent in everybody else's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, when you mentioned Furious, you're talking about what's missing from everybody else's life, which is that guy, that father. It's not to say that a mom can't do what he does. They they're doing the best they can. It's just a it, the. The importance of a father in this situation is 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 amplified. It's certainly something that means something within this community that he's speaking to uh, very specifically and speaking about very specifically. And so I think when they talk about him, they're they're calling attention to what's missing everywhere else. Yeah, and they they do spend a fair amount of time early on with Angela Bassett's character uh, explaining why she's not there, and it's to better her life and to better their lives together overall. Right. they're separated uh but yeah it's not it's definitely not saying anything bad about mothers no but uh they're just one parent in all these scenarios and and you you can feel the way that Trey's elevated as you know the chance of him succeeding is greater because of that everybody just knows it automatically he dresses different he he has a different work ethic uh he carries he carries himself differently, and that matters. And you know, the guy with all the potential, uh, 
even more so than Trey's character, you know, Mer- Morris Chestnut's character, he doesn't even carry himself like Trey does. You know, they, those two bond and they're the best friends in the movie. Uh, but it, yeah, it, and all of it's back to that, you know, the way they just establish everything early on. And I mean, Morris Chestnut is very interesting. It's a, it's a good performance for what it's supposed to, it, it exists for a very specific reason. He exists to die. He exists mm-hmm. to represent a dream taken away. Uh, you know, the, the American dream of, of succeeding and getting up and out of this situation. He repre- he is representational of all of that. And his purpose is to be the, the, the focus of tragedy. That's where it's supposed to be. And it's, and it's a reminder of having all the potential in the world and having that snuffed out. And, you know, just in a, in a more general, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Symbol, symbol, his symbolism. He is the, de- he's, the he's a death of a dream in, 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 in human form. Uh, that's what he exists to be. And I like that he doesn't fill in too mm-hmm. much as a character because again, he is more of a representation of uh, a, a commentary on how people in this, these neighborhoods see this type of potential a lot and they see it taken away. They, they see America taking away the dream that this guy represents in many ways. And that's, that's a big, there's a lot of big ideas in this movie. Yeah. And maybe I'm off base, but even Trey Cuban Gooding Jr.'s character, he has a privilege. The other ones don't have in having the father and you know, it's not white privilege by any means, but it's the first step towards it. And he's going to get out of this. His mom got out of this. Uh, And it's just really neat how, I, I don't know how to explain it without, you know, you just kind of have to watch it, but it, it's very real. I mean, none of it feels fake. It doesn't feel like, you know, those pretty cancer movies where they heighten everything. Yeah. Uh, and that very easily could have been what this movie was, you know, pretty racism or whatever. Uh, it, it's very grounded in reality while, you know, like you said, I mean, you're right with the Shakespearean thing. You know, it's definitely it's a commentary. But, it, you know, even where it's heightened, the commentary, I don't know. It, it's it's just all woven together so perfectly that it, it makes for a very watchable movie, but a, very, a movie with very emotional scenes throughout that really are hard to forget. You know, I think they're yeah. just going to be etched. And anybody who's seen it probably has always had them etched in their memory. <laughs> I got emotional just seeing uh, Morris Chestnut in that white shirt because I know what's going to happen. He's specifically wearing white for a very specific reason. And that shirt's going to be covered in blood. It's going to turn red, very red. And it's terrifying to see that, uh, to see that change that, that it's a piece of costume design, but it's still, it's a smart use of costume. And when I saw it and remembered, Oh shit, we're here now. uh, I got emotional. And you know, then you, you, you see Cuba Gooding Jr. turn around and yell his name, and he's just—he's so nonchalant. Norris Chestnut at that moment, like he's—he's—it was—it went from so being so heightened and terrifying to now I'm just back to normal. I'll just walk home, and it, it wasn't back to normal. And we knew that, and he didn't. And that just gives it so much more emotion. This movie gets better over time. It gets—it gains something over time. Yeah. And it's just so frustrating. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a hell of a movie. Uh, and I, I do agree that 
you know, I don't know that anybody else really deserves an Oscar nomination, but Lawrence Fishburne for sure should have gotten yeah. a supporting actor nomination for this. Uh, but yeah, anything else in Boys in the Hood? If you've never seen it, you should watch it. It's incredible. Yeah, and I feel like I watched it for free on Amazon. Maybe. Uh, so it's available. Peacock. I believe it's Peacock. Oh, I, I think I saw it on Amazon, so it's probably on Peacock too then. I think I watched it with commercials. Maybe IMDb had it through Amazon. Anyway, it's there for you to watch. Yeah. And, and it's worth I, I, it. this may be This may be the best movie of 91. Sounds of the Lambs. <laughs> I, again, I've got a more of an emotional connection to this than I do that. I know, but sometimes something just so strong the <laughs> outweighs emotion for me. Uh, speaking of great performances, I think I don't think this came out this week. Said it did on Wikipedia. I don't know how it could have because Bill and Ted comes out next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think this came out this week. But according I, to I Wikipedia, it does. It did. <laughs> uh, uh, Point Break, starring Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, is a very stupid movie about bank robbers who dresses the dead presidents and, and surf rob banks and they surf and he what is the what is keanu's character's name johnny know. utah yeah that's right yeah david yeah. wyoming <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't think i this mean it's so stupid keanu's certainly been worse i don't think swayze's been worse <laughs> yeah no uh, Bodie <laughs> and gary Busey. this is the first time i remember him being you know, a really like the accident seems to really have started to affect his acting as far as I could tell. Uh, yeah. But I don't it's really a very know. normal, very, very uh, straightforward Busey performance. I thought maybe I don't remember it that well. I, I think of, yeah, maybe it was, I thought this was the first time I started acting crazy. Maybe I'm wrong. It's been so long. <laughs> so forgive me. <laughs> I did not watch that this week. I didn't either because I don't. I don't know if it came out this week or not. I guess maybe it did. Well, either way, our source said it did, so it's not. Like it's going to pop up later on. <laughs> so. nah, we don't need to talk about this ever again. It's a bad movie. It's got a great soundtrack, though. There's one song in that soundtrack. There's a Concrete Blonde song in that soundtrack that is one of my favorite songs of all all time. Like just absolutely incredible. And it's got one of Rat's best song on there as well. <laughs> All right, and then there's Regarding Henry. Regarding Henry stars uh, uh, Harrison Ford as Henry. He's a high-powered New York lawyer who uh, goes out for cigarettes one night and gets shot in the head in the middle of of an armed robbery. Uh, He ends up in the hospital in a coma for a while, and then he, when he wakes up, he's got to learn how to talk and walk and do life again and try and remember his wife and uh, remember his life. And it's not great uh it should be better than it is um it it, it's lacking in just the just certain ways that harrison ford's performance isn't clicking with mike nichols direction uh he he and annette benning are are kind of on the same page but he seems to be doing something just a little bit different than she's doing it's just a little bit off in just every possible little way adding up to a movie that is Certainly not poorly made or or even poorly acted. It's just kind of three people at the center who aren't really doing the same thing. Right. 
Yeah, it even the poster, Harrison Ford looks like he doesn't quite know what he's doing. Uh, this is obviously a post being shot in the head. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, as an actor, he doesn't quite look like yeah. he like he's. It seems like one of those, you know, performances that make fun of in Tropic Thunder where the actor takes himself too seriously. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like he has to be very childlike uh, after after coming out of being shot. He is almost kind of childlike in a way. And that's not really Harrison Ford's strength to play that. They should have put Harrison Ford in Point Break and Gary Busey in this. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere there's a universe where that happened <laughs> i hope so i wish i was in it right. actually swayze would be better at, than, than harrison ford would in this i think from the from that kind of uh soap opera direction much more of a he's much more of a soap opera actor than, than harrison ford is harrison ford is more of a paycheck type actor if i've noticed <laughs> based on interviews <laughs> he's done uh, all right, that is our show. Next week, we've got Space Jam, A New Legacy. Our classic's going to be Space Jam. Other movies coming out that we may or may not talk about. Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix. Uh, Escape Room, Tournament of Champions. Is that coming to theaters? I don't know. I Yeah, I think so. Uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey turns 30, as well as Dutch, starring, starring Al Bundy. We'll also be talking about Pig next week. Pig. Nick Cage. My review of Pig starring Nicolas Cage drops tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to give anything away, but uh, whoever called this movie John Wick with a pig is a true asshole. They've done this movie a great disservice. That's not what this is. I hadn't heard that, so that's good to know. Not to think about John <laughs> Wick when I watch it. It's, it's, a, it's a really a straightforward drama. It's, very, it's a very actorly movie. And, yeah. Since I'm assuming there won't be a lot to talk about with the Space Jam movies, <laughs> any interest in watching uh, that other Willy's Wonderland or whatever the fuck it was called, the Nick Cage sure. movie? I would, I've been wanting to see it ever since I heard about it. Be a, it'll be a nice uh, opposite to pick. Plus, I don't necessarily, I don't really plan on watching Bogus Journey and... I don't, I don't know that I plan on watching Dutch either, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I don't think Dutch is available. That makes I it even they, better. Yeah, I, I I've tried to watch. I've for some reason I had I think I had a reason to look up Dutch and it's not available at all for like music rights reasons or something. Ah, uh, that makes sense. No, that's what I was looking into. The I, I was doing a, a list for the year of things that we're we're watching, and yeah, when I went to put in where where to find Dutch later on in the year, it just wasn't available anywhere. Well, that's no fun. All right, before we let you go, I want to remind you, well, we'll do flick chart, but I want to remind you to head over to IHateCritics.net uh, and click on the T Public link if you want to buy some of our merch. We're also patreon.com slash criticspod to get yourself a credit on the show and help support the podcast. And if you want a copy of a couple, a couple Blu-ray copies, uh, head over to our Facebook and Twitter pages and read the details basically if you leave us a five-star review on any of the platforms you listen to and then let us know you did it we'll read your review on the air and you'll get yourself a copy of uh one of two movies is that i don't remember what they are yeah the great war of archimedes and deliver us from evil there may be new ones coming too all right we shall see
So let's move over to Flick Shirt here really quick and knock a few of them out. Hopefully they're kind to us. Give us some fun ones to do. Ed TV on the waterfront. <laughs> on the waterfront. Yes. Uh, RoboCop Scare Package. Never heard of Scare Package. Neither have I. 2019, wow. RoboCop <laughs> Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona by a lot. Mm-hmm. Smoking the Bandit, The Hangover. The Hangover. Agreed. Les Mis, Don. Never heard of it. Neither have I. Les Mis, She's All That. Not hard at all. It's Les Mis. Agreed. I hate She's All That. <laughs> Child's Play, The Lady Killers. Even the weakest Coen Brothers movie is better than Child's Play. Weakest Coen Brothers movie is better than a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Muppets Most Wanted, The Goonies. Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah, I think I agree. History of the World, History of the World Part One, Duck Soup. R.I.P. Richard Donner, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, he directed Goonies. That's why it made me think of it. Uh, Duck Soup. Agreed. History of the World's great though, as well. No, I agree. Yeah, it's a bummer. We're not going to get. Lethal Weapon 5 with him directing it like they've been talking about for 20 years. But yeah, that's, that's he was he was in his 90s, wasn't he? So he lived a life. Yeah. Uh The Duel broke back Never heard of it. Oh, good. Never heard of The Duel. I don't have I The Abyss broke back mountain. Broke back mountain. Witness Man of Steel. I'm just fascinated. you know it's interesting like the the amount that I think people our age have changed over the last since Brokeback Mountain came out. Like when I was when that movie came out, people were afraid to say they liked it. You know, guys were afraid to say like, "Oh, you like Brokeback Mountain? I know what that means." And and we've changed so we've come so far from that, and I appreciate that far enough. Obviously, there's still right. a lot of awful human beings out there, but I think we've we've kind of grown up a little bit away from that idea that that uh, people can't appreciate arts with gay men in it uh, without having to worry about having their masculinity questioned. And I, well, I enjoyed, cause I never really cared about my masculinity being questioned, <laughs> right? Making people, I didn't uncomfort- either. I'm just making people uncomfortable. Like, you know, that like I lived in a town with a lot of Catholics. It was a very Catholic town. And uh, when they asked me the, what I wanted to win the Oscar at that point, I hated everything, but broke back mountain <laughs> <laughs> and Sin City and Devil's Rejects were an Oscar movie, so uh, Brokeback Mountain. It was easy for me to say that, and it, yeah. it really made people uncomfortable. Like, really? <laughs> you watched that? <laughs> you weren't embarrassed? No, it was, it was really good. Nope. Two great performances. Really, more than two. Everybody in the movie was great, but two yeah. very strong performances to lead there. Uh, yeah. It's just nice to know I think we're growing away from that. And those people are now being... Those people who, who say shit like that, who try and... Uh, bring other people down or try and mock people for, for liking that are those people are now in the shadows. We've pushed them away and that's a good thing. Or they're yelling cancel culture. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, although it sucks. Cause you have like normal people yelling cancel culture too. And it's like, you know, you, it's not a thing. I know you just cause somebody um, gets on Twitter and is an asshole about something that doesn't matter. doesn't mean you're canceled. 
Yeah, Ricky Gervais is a fucking moron. <laughs> he was on Twitter the other day. Oh, you couldn't make The Office today. You know, people are too sensitive. You couldn't make The Office today. No, we couldn't make your version of The Office, dickhead. <laughs> because it was based off of a lot of shitty talk. Whereas the, the version of The Office that we got over here, far superior. <laughs> well, and you could have made it. go back to that today. <laughs> but you'd be surprised at what you'd still get away with. It, it's just, it's stupid. I it's it's bizarre that he thinks that Michael Scott isn't the joke. That's what gets me. He, he doesn't understand that Michael Scott was the joke. Apparently, well, he doesn't get it because he thinks that that character was apparently uh, a good thing. <laughs> I guess. Well, I, I think there are people that don't get that Michael Scott is a joke. And those people do yell shit on Twitter and try to cancel <laughs> shit. But they get ignored. Nobody yeah. listens to him. No one takes it seriously. Right. They're just loud on Twitter. Which is twenty percent of the country. So I mean, that's why even pay attention that's, to it. That's why Carell is so brilliant. Because if if we saw Michael Scott today, he'd be talking about cancel culture, and we would be laughing at him. Right. He'd do it in a way that would be obvious that he's the joke for bringing that up. Right, and other you know lesser people. You know, Adam Sandler's tried to be that a million times, and it's never he's never quite accomplished it, and it's. In hindsight, kind of comes off a little offensive. I think his intent is well, but he's not as good as Steve Carell, at least in those type of movies. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, some people just are annoying. Uh, Witness Man of Steel. Witness. I I like Superman snapping nuts. I, I kind of like Man of Steel, too. I think Witness is a good movie, though. In fairness, I haven't seen it, so I'll go with you. <laughs> I'm just not a Harrison Ford fan. Uh, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, Wanted. Mission Impossible. I should flip it just to be a dick, but I'll let you know it. <laughs> the Simpsons movie, Vanilla Sky. Legitimately difficult choice for me here. Uh, the Simpsons movie, because it is so consistently funny. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I grew up on The Simpsons. Uh, not that I didn't grow up on Cameron, uh, but Cameron Crowe, but I... <laughs> It's just this that Vanilla Sky is the least Cameron Crow Cameron Crow movie, and the mm-hmm. Simpsons movie is the Simpsons at its best. So I agree. Captain America: The First Avenger, The Proposal, both really good movies. The Proposal is very funny. I'm going to go Captain America because I think that's a just a a really classic action movie. But I love The Proposal. I agree. Sister Act: Eastern Promises. Eastern Promises. Absolutely. El Mariachi, Walk the Line. El Mariachi. As good as it gets, the rundown. I'm fascinated to see if as good as it gets holds up. (laughs) Which we've been saying for like 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with it. Yeah. Uh, I, I still have fond memories of it, but I don't know if it'll hold up when I watch it again. I mean, there's a reason we haven't gone back to it. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> it, it kind of feels like homework, whether it is or isn't. That's part of why it doesn't. It's not really like fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, Kung Fu Panda 2, The Apartment. The Apartment. One of my all-time favorites. Halloween H2O, The Hot Chick. H2O. Just I kind of like H2O. For his Twitter rant alone, I'll go <laughs> H2O. Did you hear that at all? Oh, no. 
He was claiming the Second Amendment is designed so that we don't have to take the vaccine. Like, we should, who said that? Rob Schneider got on oh, Twitter fuck. saying we should not. No, he, he wants all his followers to, you know, <laughs> the right to choose what to do with your body, which is fair. I, that's true. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's what the Second Amendment was designed for: is the right to choose to do with your, with your body. So people were responding with like, "So you want us to shoot the vaccines?" <laughs> like, <what are> you- <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god! What a moron! What yeah. an absolute idiot! Yeah, Dukes of Hazard once. Was there another movie? <laughs> Well, Batman the Killing Joke, but it's a cartoon. Oh, okay. Some of you All right. Seen sure. It. Sure. Well, once, obviously. Yeah. Epic movie frequency. Frequency. American Sniper 13. Tough. That is tough. 13 is a hell of a movie. Uh huh. Um, fuck. I am. I'm completely torn. What do you think? It's been so long since I've seen 13 and recency bias is leaning me towards American Sniper, even though because <laughs> that the intensity of that movie was something yeah, else. It was. Uh, so, I mean, I guess I'm leaning American Sniper, but I don't think it's fair because it's been so long since I've seen 13 and American Sniper is still pretty fresh, even though it's been seven years. Man. Yeah. Flip a coin. <laughs> And the winner is 13. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. I think it's a really great movie. Uh, I remember liking it. I just, it's been so long. What happens in Vegas? Closer. Closer. Closer is a fucking awesome movie. Yes, it is. People really slept on that one. Right, this is <laughs> possibly the last one we're going to do, depending on how Sean reacts. Avatar Crocodile Dundee 2. Or do we just turn it off before you say an answer? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go back to the old favorite, Fishing with Gandhi. 